Hello, this is Jeff Vandersteld, Executive Director of Saturate and host of the Saturate podcast. Saturate exists to serve and equip leaders to start and strengthen unified gospel city movements that lead to gospel saturation to the end that every man, woman, and child has repeated opportunities to meet Jesus through his church on mission everywhere, every day. Now, we believe this is going to require, as Jesus prayed in John 17, that the church is first of all unified in a region and also collaborating around five key initiatives, citywide prayer, leader health, disciple-making strategies, serving the city together, and starting new churches and new kingdom initiatives. Presently, we've been spending some time on the initiative of leader health, and more specifically, we get to spend some time with one of my best friends, a man who is uh, not only a friend to me, but in many ways, like a spiritual father at times when I need to know the father's heart for me as he does spiritual direction in my life and uh, serves as the spiritual director for the Soma Saturate Board, which is a really cool thing, by the way. I don't know if many boards have a spiritual director, but what a blessing it is to have Chuck as our spiritual director. But Chuck Geschwind is also the director of culture and spiritual formation at the Eden Project, which is a, a new work that's getting started that I'm so excited to, to be able to encourage people toward and, and even have you hear more about. Last time we were together, we got to hear from Nathan Wagner, who's a part of that team. And now we get to be with Chuck. So, Chuck, uh, so glad you're here. Thanks for making the time. And I'd love for you to tell a little bit about yourself and even your own journey as to why this is such an important uh, topic, this idea of leader health. Absolutely. It's just good to see your face, my friend. It's good to be with you in person a couple weeks ago in the deep south and thrilled to be uh, having this conversation with you about the topic that we love about being at home and God's love. Hmm. Uh, my story, uh, born again uh, at the age of 29, began to have immediate desires for God, his presence, leadership, teaching his word. Uh, my story from that point, I, I got into way too many ministry positions way too early, way too immature in the faith. And looking back on my story, uh, without really any uh, male figures, um, I'd heard a long time ago that if you're not being admired by an older man, you're being hurt. And that just resonated. So I was for most of my life without a male mentor and male figure uh, left me wondering narcissistic tendency, went into ministry, ended up going back home to my hometown and planning a church. And I was very, very unhealthy, uh, driven ministry, idolatry, this, you know, a uh, quote that summarizes my soul during my church planning season. Um, it's just that most of the noise in your soul is generated by your attempts to control the uncontrollable. It's David Pallison. And mm -hmm. I was trying to be in control. I was playing God rather than uh, being a sheep under the shepherd. Um, and so it led me uh, to begin to seek out mentors and to seek out emotional health and to seek out therapy. And it's like, what's wrong with me? Uh, and then got out of full-time ministry for about a decade and really described uh, as my wilderness season. Uh, and to use the words of, of Henry Nouwen, that, um, man, that wilderness is just the, the place of transformation. It's really the furnace of transformation but it's where we can experience the deep compassion of Christ uh, just in that needy, needy place of uh, just being surrendered to him. And I did, I experienced in the last five years, uh, a depth of compassion 
directly from the presence of God through the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that has begun a healing process. Um, fortunately, got to attach to some uh, male father figures that that helped me along that journey as well. So, um, yeah, I've I've just been through my own journey, a lot, a lot of sadness of <laughs> the way I, I led in the past, but super expected to be uh, be myself, be right sized. Um, still trying to die to that false self and uh, just uh, tell people about just how tasty uh, the good news of the gospel is that God is love. So, mm. um, and then just my wife, Lindy and I are empty nesters. We have three children back in Arkansas, Charlie, Billy and Kate, 25, 23 and almost 21. And Lindy and I this summer moved to Dallas, Texas, um, and just to join the Eden Project, which is a startup nonprofit that started just this this year. We're brand new and and we're getting going. Yeah, thanks so much. I'm so excited for what you finally get to do. I mean, I know that wilderness journey. I got to watch you through that and the longing that that created in your heart to mm. get to do what you're doing now and even seeing God's miraculous provision uh, to pull something together that uh, a lot of us could have never imagined would come about the way it has, but it has. And now here you are getting to sit square in the middle of something that we all know Mm -hmm. you are absolutely gifted and called to do and a gift, such a gift to the church, Mm -hmm. man. I'm so thankful for you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you were one of the ones who encouraged me this direction and prayed in this direction and when none of us knew exactly how it would turn out. So um, I'm glad that you've been in the very inner circle of uh, cheering me on. So thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. So I I know that the, the heart of Eden is in terms of the Eden Project, is so near to your heart. What is the passion? What is the heart behind what you guys are doing? Yeah, first of all, uh, yeah, I'm on a a great team. Um, And if you haven't heard yet, the last episode where Nathan Wagnon, our theological giant and visionary founder of Eden, talked about ontologically that God is love and you just need to push pause right now on me. Go back and listen to Nathan because I'm building off of, hopefully, experientially, uh, what we're doing out of that strong theological base. So I would strongly, strongly encourage you to go back and listen to that. But as you, if you've now tuned back in, uh, we exist to help retrain people to deeply connect with God and others. We really are aiming at helping people live at home in the love of God, and I like to say, so that we can learn to walk at the pace of love, Mm. which is at the pace of keeping in step with the Spirit. If God is love, the Spirit is love, and if you're filled with the Spirit, you're filled with love and joy, et cetera. So, yeah, that's our passion. And um, Augustine said, Jeff, a long time ago, right, that the pivotal factor in any church is the felt experience of the love of God. And I've pondered that for like the last decade. It's like, if the deep experience of the love of God is the pivotal factor of any church, then what is the fruit of a church's mission if that church at large is really experiencing that felt love, felt forgiveness, or the feeling of being at home in the love of God? 
And it's like, if we're not letting our people to experience the God of love, uh, then what are we doing in ministry, right? And, and so uh, it's like, man, let's, let's, uh, let's, let's start there. So God, God is love. Um, I, I got to read this quote. This, this is like the last six months, my favorite quote about that. God created, of course, ex nihilo. I'm not sure I pronounced that right out of nothing. And Nathan mentioned this, but I don't know really gave the whole quote, but if God creates uh, ex nihilo, also ex amore, God created out of love. And listen, this is uh, James Otheus. Um, and he says that love is the cosmic energy of creation. One could say the oxygen, the glue, and the fire of the universe. Love is the being and becoming of created reality. Love is the oxen of the universe without which we cannot live, even though we cannot see it. At the same time, when it is not there, we know it. We gasp for breath, slowly dying. And I just contemplated that. And I know I'm on a Saturate podcast, so I know people love to be on mission with God and love to live life as a family of missionary servants inside small groups, missional communities. I'm like, consider the implications inside of every missional community if they experience this power, this glue, this fire, this oxygen of God's love. It would certainly propel us out into really compassionate uh, ministry and mission like never before. So uh, super excited about the experience of God's love, but also just the, the missional implications and, and overflow uh, of God's love. So, yeah, our, that's that's our passion. We want people to feel at home in the love of God for the glory of God, the fame of Jesus, uh, and just the, and the good, thriving, flourishing of God's people and all people. Mm-hmm. Thank you, man. That's so good. You know, Paul said to Timothy, the goal of our instruction is love, mm-hmm. you know, from a pure heart and sincere faith. And it's really interesting that Jesus also defines what a disciple is as in terms of like how you'll know uh, that we're his disciples by our love for one another. And uh, I love the work that Wilder and Will Willard did in their last book, Renovated It, really showing about how attachment love, knowing and abiding in the Hesed love of God uh, is the only way we're actually going to grow in the kind of love that looks like Jesus, where we're even willing, even able to love our enemies. And uh, so, yeah, Yeah. I'm so so thankful you guys are really giving a lot of energy to helping, especially those who often at times lead others uh, to be the loving disciples of Jesus, but they have to lead from a place where they know it, where they experience it, where they're abiding in it. And so that's really probably the the work you're doing, right? Is like Nathan in some ways is helping us see with his God image, God concept, where do we not have a proper understanding of God who is love? Where have we lost that? But then w- really helping leaders become aware. I mean, that's some yeah. of the work you've, you've done with me even. Like there's been moments where sitting with you and you're just helping me understand that my view of the of the father is not in line with the heart of the father and yeah that's some of the work you get to do in terms of helping leaders really experience that awareness what does that look like how do you how do you help leaders become even aware that they don't even know or aren't at home in the love of god yeah great question i mean every good journey begins with uh you know just being aware right just being comfortable with what is and so we're trying to take a, a good hard look 
Um, and Eden Lead that I'm a part of, I'm describing here on this podcast, uh, uh, I work with our good friend, Duke Rivard, uh, actually leads leads that initiative. So together we're, we're tackling this and I get to be the one that gets to say some of this today. Um, but man, love love working on our team. Part, part of the awareness is helping people know that there's a possibility that they actually can have more of God and they can live at home in the love of God as they're filled with the presence of God through the spirit. And so, but so many leaders aren't in the marketplace and in the church are just not living at home. They're not enjoying God. Um, read a great book by Kirk Byron Jones, rest in the storm. It's about pastor burnout. And he just said the undeniable truth is that too many pastors have had the joy of ministry sucked out of us by overload and hurry. And they're really just secretly crying out, Lord, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Mm. And you're, I know you're very familiar with uh, just the lack of experience of love of God that the resilient ministry study, um, you know, I, one pastor in that study said, look, I might be a pastor, but I'm an inch deep. Mm. My life is filled with incessant activity and little prayer. Contemplation is foreign in my vocabulary and non-existent in my life. I'm like, oh my gosh, that is just um, sad, sad. And we, we, we don't blame leaders. I was that kind of leader. So we have a passion for them. Just, just one more quote about just to help us be aware of, of really the reality of what so many leaders are experiencing. Not all, fortunately. <laughs> you know, God's doing a great work, but we're here to help those that are maybe struggling. And because part of the sadness of the problem is leaders know what to do and they're still not doing it, according to another one of these resilient ministry guys. He says, My spiritual practices have slipped. My enjoyment of Jesus in the midst of ministry is a faded memory. I know what to do, slow down, but I'm not doing it. <laughs> Even though I know that practices such as silence and solitude, prayer, personal reflection on scripture, or all life-giving, I find I don't have the time or energy for them. Mm. And so in that reality, it's like, man, we want to give hope. We want to give hope because there's something missing and we don't pretend to know everything that's missing, but we, we do know that uh, so many of us in North America have a, a God image problem. We're, we're really not seeing God as love in that first John ontological nature. God is love. God is father, son, and Holy spirit. And God is love. And, and just briefly, um, you know, this Baylor stuff this about 10 years old, which is pretty stark in saying that 77% of Americans have a non benevolent view of God. Wow. Either, and so oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> just yeah. sorry to interrupt you there, man. But did you say 77%? Yeah, and they're, what they're measuring is is how engaged God is and then how angry God is. And so people come away with thinking, you know, he's either distant, critical, or authoritative. So those three categories make up that number. And so if you believe God is distant, you're not going to probably just develop an appetite to be with a distant God. Or if he's authoritative or critical, it's like, mm. man, it's... That's not a God you're going to be attracted to. But deep down in our soul, we know there's a desire for the real God and, and love and to be attached to, to an, in an intimate way with God. And, and that's available and, and 
so many ways. So, and you know, I was talking with Nathan last episode that his thesis that I've read, 380 pages, is brilliant, but he's raising this issue of how we image God. And we all have to admit, back to the awareness, none of us image God perfectly. Of course, we're humans. Only Jesus imaged God perfectly. But why do we image him poorly? How do we, how are we, you know, an audit, an awareness? How are we actually viewing him? That's what Baylor begins to introduce. And so, um, and then all this neurobiology that's just telling us so much that helps us really connect horizontally and vertically is just brilliant. It's kind of like the, you know, the archaeology of the mid 1900s, the Dead Sea Scrolls, like, oh, we're finding all these new discoveries and it's just proving what we knew to be true. It's making the scripture seem more alive. And the same thing I sense just with neurobiology and left brain, right brain. And I'm not an expert in any of that. But our buddy Duke says this. It's easy to be in our culture, left brain orthodox and right brain heretics. Mm. And so, as you heard Nathan talk about our left brain, this logical, linear, able to analyze and think, you know, uh, I call it Sunday school God, theology test God, that, that we can say God is love and we need to. And, and part of what we're doing I, absolutely is theological work. It is left brain that that needs some improvement as well to see that God is love is is really central to the, the heart of the story of Scripture. But then also there's this right brain experiential way we uh, implicitly relate to God or or even instinctually uh, relate to God. And I may get trouble, but I'm a pretty simple guy, born and raised in Arkansas. So I just call that gut God. So it's like we have our Sunday school God and we have our gut God. But like when, when, when life punches me in the gut, how do I experientially, you know, just react to God? And that's my, and and then Nathan's terms uh, and then another people, the, theologians turn that, that left brain Sunday school God is, is your God concept. And the right mm. brain, uh, functional gut God uh, is really uh, your God image. So, but the reality is neither our God concept nor our God image perfectly image God. So that's the huge piece of uh, awareness that of course we need to grow in the way we uh, relate to God, see God, envision God, believe about God, both intellectually, theologically, and emotionally and experientially. So mm. that's the work we're doing. And I mean, the simple answer uh, is we, so how is that healed? It's the same thing with, with because Christianity is relational, right? Um, that we get hurt in relationships, we get healed in relationships. So how do we grow in imaging God? And it's it's beginning to have healthy experiences in re, in relationship uh, with God. So um, I've probably said more than I know about neurobiology, and uh, but that's just boil all that down is like there is an objective reality that is God, and God is love, and none of us are either with any of it are fully seeing him and experiencing him for what he truly is. And that's the work we're trying to do is to help people envision God, both with their both sides, with their whole body, with mm -hmm. all of their brain, uh, just lean into a healthy relationship with God. Mm. You know, I was just um, in Denmark uh, for about a week and did about 
three or four days of ministry there. And one of the things that continued to come across as we were uh, talking about the challenge of what's going on in the Danish church, and um, one of the things that they they clearly articulated over and over and over again is there's this this uh, very kind of non-emotional, non-relationally engaged approach to to God, and um, and even how the the church as a whole has walked. Many many of the churches, and you know, Lutheran state church, have gone very very liberal, and so they're. Their left brain view of God is already really messed up. Like they've walked away; they don't see the Word of God as even authoritative in a lot of right. the cases. Now, not these people that I was with, but but then the the, the other side of it is that there's almost zero relational engagement, uh, right brain right. kind of um, concept, God concept or God image work. So God concept stuff is broken. <laughs> yeah, but some of the church is getting it reformed or righted. But then the God image piece in terms of really, truly relating to a relational, loving God who definitely feels <laughs> uh, and I get to feel with uh, is just so far from their concept. And so um, that's where it's interesting because not only do they have a, a, God, a God concept that God doesn't necessarily feel, and neither do we, or maybe we can't trust it if we do, but then their God image is clearly broken in terms of the the relational impact or in, engagement with. So um, I'm loving that you're doing this work yeah. because it, it is a global need, not just yeah. a North American sure. need. Um, but what you know, it's, like, it's a human need, and as it's a human need, absolutely, and, yeah. And and as you you know, and yeah, I'll be quiet. Well, no, I mean it's yeah, I mean it's pervasive all over the place. Yeah, we we all have the. Since the garden, since Genesis three, we've we walked away from the the love of God and being at home with in the love of God. So, yeah. I I personally have experienced this and yeah. am experiencing it. So I'm thankful for it so much. What yeah. you know, Chuck, I've experienced some of the work you've done with me personally. I am curious, like as you guys think about this on behalf of Eden Lead, which is the area that you're a part of in the Eden Project. What what are we going to do about it? I mean, what is the, what is the solution? What's the way forward in terms of what you guys think you're going to own in this this work? Right. There's a lot of great new content in this space, and there's a lot of great spiritual formation uh, ministry going on in, in our country, and and we just want to and jump jump into the fray and do what God's called us to do. And um, what we're going to build out and explain a little bit about that. Uh, the first initiative for Eden Lead is to really build a um, just an Eden Lead uh, leader year, which will be a series of relationships and, and a series of three main retreats um, over the course of a year. Uh, let me just, and I'll explain more detail, the just more of the strategy behind that. But let me just say, uh, an answer to your question of uh, what we believe and what our conviction is about how people change. Um, let me just give you a, a sentence quote by Simeon Zoll, who's a Cambridge uh, theology professor and uh, just an expert on the Augustinian theory of change. He says this, and we agree. The heart of Christian ministry is the facilitation of an emotional encounter with the God revealed in Jesus. Mm the facilitation of an emotional 
encounter with the God revealed in Jesus. So we want people to experientially encounter the presence of God. I believe the presence of God is the means and the ends of the Christian life. I believe the presence of God is seeking us out. I believe the presence of God for all of his children is in us, around us, and for us. And if God is love, when we're in his presence, we are in his wooing, you know, invitations of of love. So we want to create spaciousness uh, in our leadership journey, in our retreat spaces, and facilitate. We have facilitators of safe spaces, wide open spaces where people can encounter the presence of God as revealed in Jesus. And that's how people change. That's big picture. Because so many people uh, have a, a transactional relationship with God, not a, a real intimate, relational, trusting relationship with God. And I fight that all the time. And that's where that gut guy, when I get kicked in the gut by life, it's like, do I really immediately just run to, oh, God is love. He's seeking my highest good in this. No, I'm like, no, God, I've I've served you. Why is this happening? Why is this so hard? And, and those are all just really disbelief and a, and a incomplete experience that God is present and he's seeking my highest good 100% of the time. Hmm. So, yes, we want it to be experiential. We want it to be relational. Um, what we are going to invite people to do that join our leadership year, and we're going to launch this next September 2023, this three retreat year long uh, journey together. But because the nature of our healing needs to be so relational, we're going to require people to, to engage in two relationships uh, in addition to what they do with us. And that is every participant in this uh, leaders year. Uh, will have their own spiritual director they meet with for an hour a month. And a spiritual director is just very simply someone who just is able to sit one-on-one with with a person um, and give their full attention to what God is doing in the life of that in that person. And, um, and I keep thinking of Galatians 4, and it's like that was the heart of the Apostle Paul. He says he's like agonizing and like with the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed with you. And so I do my, I mean, I've done, as you know, a couple of years of training in this and, and love that space myself. Uh, but we want every leader to have their own um, spiritual director. Um, Steve Mackey, who runs LTI under the program, Sealess School of Spiritual Direction, I, I completed, says the soul is the most neglected part of the leader's life. In hmm. all their busyness, what are they neglecting? Their own soul. And, and so uh, one of the other SELA faculty said this, it's a tragic irony that spiritual leaders trusting with the care of other souls usually do not adequately take care of their own. Um, and so we're going to invite people, encourage, and we really want to um, reform the way leaders think about their own uh, relational network of care and that we want people to just really monthly to meet with a spiritual director so they can tend to their own soul. And the second relationship we're going to encourage everyone to have is it's just a horizontal relationship with a with a trusted friend and a, you know what we're calling triads and and our saturate you know some world just my DNAs but just a triad of, of same gender people that begin to practice showing up with one another um, and telling the truth about what's going on in their insides and and just receiving that 
uh, affirmation, which I know you're now traveling the country te- very excellently teaching about that attunement attachment process. So, mm. but we want people to, we're going to assume people don't know how to do that. So we want people to have a spiritual director to help them connect with God. And then we want them to have a horizontal triad set of relationships to help do the exact same thing, attune and attach uh, to one another. Because often um, it's the experience of human love that can be a surrogate to then to begin to go, oh, I know what this feels like now to feel the acceptance, to to not be shamed or rejected when I fully show up emotionally. And then it, then there, I think, is more confidence to go, oh, well, maybe I can have that with God. So it's a it's a both end, which is a good segue to really our structure, our strategies that our retreats. Um, and I know you know this, but I mean, many theologians have said there's only two things we really need to know. We need a, a growing knowledge of God and a growing knowledge of self. Uh, so we need a good theology and a good anthropology. So our three retreat, we're going to have uh, three retreats into this leadership year. That'll be our, our really foundational pieces and experiences uh, it's it's going to be the knowledge of God. It's going to be the first one and just dig it into all this that we've po- talked about today, that God is love, help people see how uh, that they're not imaging God, how that's translating into their personal practical walk, um, and then just begin to help them heal in the presence of God, you know, over a four-day, three-night retreat. And then we'll have a second retreat um, on the knowledge of self, that anthropology, and, you know, there's... Um, what, what you're talking about and the work work you're doing, feeling your way to God, and um, is that, man, both the experiences and emo- emotions of our heart and, and the desires of our soul um, are both just open doors and, and gateways into relational presence with, with God and others. So we want to retrain people. Again, our simple mission statement is to retrain people to deeply connect with God and others. So if the first one is deeply connected with God, the second one's going to be really how to deeply connect with people because we're convinced, um, and at least all the studies in America, about how lonely people are. And it's getting worse, not better. Yeah, People don't know how to be present. They don't know how to do basic human relationships. And because the great commandment is so relational, because Christianity, spirituality is so relational, I mean, the quality of our life is dictated by the quality of our relationships. So we want people to really learn how to have quality relationships. Um, and that's why these triads I mentioned earlier would be practiced uh, a lot in that second retreat. Uh, but beyond just even the emotional, that, that uh, we're going to help people get in touch with the deep desires of their soul. There is deep, deep in our soul. This Romans eight sixteen experience where the Spirit of God is actually right now witnessing to our spirit that we are children of God and loved. Now, we may not be aware of that, but that's true. So we want to awaken people to the emotional realities of their heart and the deep desires of their soul, both as as just gateways to wide open spaces of an experience of God's love. Mm. So that's the second retreat. And the third retreat is uh, paces and practices. We're going to help people not just have this theory, but what does it then begin to look like to audit the actual pace of our life, to audit the actual relational health of our life, both with God and others, and then put that into just a new pace, a new slowing down, a new ability to walk out, um, you know, the love of God 
at the at the pace of God's love. And then what spiritual practices, spiritual disciplines, means of grace, all the same thing to me. Uh, what does it look like, you know, even building rule of life, uh, discipleship plans, if you will, for all the participants? Um, and then even not just what they're supposed to do individually, but what they're supposed to be communally, but but also what they're supposed to, what relationships are supposed to add and keep in their life. So knowledge of God, knowledge of self, pace and practices are the big three hooks of, of which we're going to lead people through. Chuck, thank you so much for the work you're doing. I, I, you know, I've gotten to sit on the other side of you leading me into a place of hearing and receiving and just resting in the love of God. I, I'm curious when you, when you're, when you're in that space with somebody else, what is it? What, what exactly does it look like for you to lead somebody to spiritually direct someone? I mean, you're talking about spiritual direction, but there may be a lot of people who are listening going, I have no idea what he's yeah. talking about. <laughs> what, yeah. what does that look like, the spiritual direction practice? Because this year-long journey, you're going to be doing a lot of that yeah. you know, in the retreats, but also connecting someone to a spiritual director, which I, I would agree. I think most leaders need it. All leaders need it. Most leaders have never had it. And then they're called to lead others to do it. Yeah. And uh, so uh, with the little bit of time we got, I'm just curious, what does that, what does that look like? What, what, when you say spiritual direction, yeah. what are you thinking? What are you doing? I've been experientially on the other side of yeah. it. It's been a blessing. Yeah. Well, thank you for putting that. You know, that's a deep passion of mine. First of all, this is a, uh, this is, in no way meant to be a shaming, a guilt-ridden plea, because I didn't know, I've never even heard of a spiritual director five years ago. Um, certain aspects of the church have just really had this rich experience of spiritual direction in, in their practices. So most of our tribes that you and I are part of, we know you don't know what we're talking about, because I didn't either. So um, a spiritual director First of all, uh, Eugene Peterson also makes the plea <laughs> that everyone should have one. Uh, and a definition is just simply spiritual direction takes place when two people agree, that'd be a director and a directee, to give their full attention to what God is doing in the life of someone who then seeks to respond in faith. So my informal audit of leaders, I say, well, who is the one person on planet Earth whose main job in your life is to help you connect your soul to God so you can have more intimacy with God. And hardly anyone ever says that they have that person in their life. That's what a spiritual director is. A spiritual director, it's not even mutual. All spiritual directors have their own director. They're receiving it. But when they give it, when they provide direction, what they're doing is making a safe space. Now, don't be misled. The Holy Spirit is the true spiritual director. Yes, so yeah. a, a, me as a spiritual director in a one-on-one -on -one space is simply uh, has one ear on the spirit, best I know how, one ear on the person, and trying to make that space and keep leading that person uh, and asking them questions such as, what are you present to with God? What's your conversation or prayer life been like with God? What do you want from God? And and then, you know, at times you can help them build practices that help them lean into that. So, um, yes, again, leaders, um, we deeply encourage you. Uh, it's typically not expensive. 
there's well-trained people uh, out there. So if that piques your interest, we can put in the show notes or something, just a couple of links. Um, and we're not set up. I mean, like Eden doesn't have a bunch of spiritual directors on staff, but we certainly want to to normalize that relationship for leaders. And we want to be able to send you to trusted places if that's something you want to provide for your audience. I can give you two or three places immediately, Jeff, just links where they can go search out for yeah. spiritual directors. Yeah, could you give those to us? I'd love to be able to highlight those. Yeah. Uh, I don't have them off the top of my head. I mean, I know the organizations. Uh, you just want to put them in your show notes or? Yeah, we'll do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So take a look at those, um, and we'll do our very best yeah. to give you direction to get next step help. Yeah. Um, you know, Chuck, it's interesting. You know, the John seventeen three. This is eternal life uh, that they might know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. And that word "know," as we are very aware, is not knowledge about. Um, it's not just, it's not theology, it's experiential relationship with the living God. And I'm amazed as I he listened to you how much energy we've given to, te- to teach people about God. You know, we've got seminaries, Bible schools, we do Bible studies, we have sermons. I mean, it's like the number of resources we put towards people knowing about God, and yet real life is truly knowing God relationally. And so I I guess my heart would be that anybody's listening, if if they need help in that area, which is ultimately what this is all about, is having a true, genuine relational intimacy with the living God who loves them deeply, that they would yeah. take steps to take that seriously in their own life. Yeah. Chuck, any last words as we would end um, that you would have for, for people uh, in light of all we've talked about, especially this intimate, deep love abiding in these wide open spaces, as I love to hear you say over and over again, one of your favorite statements uh, yes. in the love of God. Well, I would conclude by saying God is really, really good. Hmm. And God is love. And he's not, he's not hiding one thing you read the scriptures is like God is already present. Mm-hmm. So all you have to do is slow down and become aware. Mm-hmm. Just become aware of how God is already present. And I've said this earlier, but maybe three potential open doors and could be pay attention to the presence of God in you, around you, or for you. Which one of those three? Uh, and then just begin to have conversation, you know, with with, with God uh, about what you're present to. I'm a really big believer in um, what I see Jesus doing is surfacing people's deep desires of their heart and then in a relationship with them and conversation with them, such as blind Bartimaeus. What do you mean do for you? Mm. Such as the man at the pool of do you really want to be healed or? The way he started, even the apostle John, who was known as the apostle of love because, you know, uh, he he just spent that time with Jesus. But he started John with, what do you seek? Yeah. And so start with your desires. Start journaling your desires and and do that with with the Lord. Just answer that question in Mark 10 of blind Bartimaeus and just tell God, what do you want him to do for you? That'd be a great way 
for a person individually, a good practice would be to attend to your desires and desperations in the presence of God. Mm. Thank you so much. Yeah. It's good being with you. I appreciate you making the time. You bet. And I do have one action step for men. Yeah, we, we do have a men's retreat uh, in the Dallas area um, no, in November that um, is uh, still has some, some space in it. So we're going to do um, a, really a mashup of all three of those retreat into a single four-day, uh, three-night retreat just within an hour of Dallas out of the camp. And so um, – yeah. So if anybody wants any men as a men's retreat, uh, um, they're, they're welcome to attend that. It's it's November 10th through 13th uh, here in the Dallas area. And if you want more information about that, you can go to info at EdenTeam.org. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Chuck. And if you're listening and you have questions about any of this or any of the other stuff that we've talked about over these last several episodes, please reach out to us at hello at saturatetheworld.com. We'll do our very best to serve you and getting you connected. One of, one of my passions is just to keep highlighting great men and women and great resources that will serve the church. And Chuck, you're one of those um, men that I would highly recommend to anybody. So thank you for your time and also, if you want more resources, uh, you can get a two-week membership trial for free um, uh, with Saturate, where we have all kinds of resources around these kinds of topics and, and others. Uh, so if you would like that, take advantage of this uh, coupon, which is podcast2022, so all lowercase uh, letters, no spaces. If you want a two-week free membership trial for all our resources at saturatetheworld.com, just use that coupon code podcast 2020 all lowercase and chuck thanks again man for your mm. time and your investment in my own life i am mm. i am a a better man because you've loved me well mm. well you've you've loved me back so uh, i love being on this journey with you wish i got to see you more face to face but um i treasure the times we get yeah me too thanks again you're welcome